Greetings. This is Justin Allen with the Elite Nurse Practitioner. Welcome to the Elite Nurse Practitioner Show, a podcast dedicated to nurse practitioner entrepreneurism and achieving financial freedom, where I talk directly with nurse practitioners who need help. Listen up. Our market is saturated. Jobs can be scarce. We are underpaid. We are undervalued. We are taken advantage of by the sharks within the healthcare system. And frankly, screw that. Sick of it. And it's time for a change. And listen, I'm here to help make that happen. We are powerful. We can forge a path where we are in control of our career and ultimately our financial and personal well-being. You do not need to submit to healthcare administrators and your doctor overlords. You do not have to take the measly salary. You do not have to work 50 to 60 hours a week. There is a different way, and I'm here to show you that path. This podcast is raw and unfiltered. I have not talked to nurse practitioners in this podcast prior to the call outside of an email exchange to schedule the episode. What you're about to listen to is a consultation session between a nurse practitioner and myself. It is real, it is unscripted, it is unplanned, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Anything and everything can happen during our conversation. The nurse practitioners in these episodes are struggling with an issue in their professional or financial life, and they have reached out to me for help. My goal is to help a nurse practitioner with actionable advice that will enhance and improve their professional, business, and financial life. My other goal is to hopefully help my nurse practitioner sisters and brothers build a more productive, powerful, and free life. So I hope the content and information within these podcast episodes does just that. All right, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Today, we'll be talking to Michelle, who is a dual certified women's health and psych NP. Currently, she's working full-time at a pediatric and adolescent outpatient clinic. She wants to start a general outpatient psych practice while integrating some women's health services into it. She's needing some help getting this business off the ground as she has not started it yet. She's also needing assistance with considering a partnership, where her clinic should be located, and how to know when the right time is to quit your full-time job and focus on your business. Hey, Michelle, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for hopping on here. I really appreciate it. So let's go ahead and get started. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been a nurse practitioner for, kind of how you became maybe a women's health and a psych NP. Just, just give us a little background. Yeah. So I, um, I first became a nurse in 2001. So I've been a nurse for a pretty long while and became an NP in 2008. I got certified as a women's health nurse practitioner and did that for quite a long time until just a year ago and just a couple of days. I started work as a psych NP. So when I was in women's healthcare, I really did well with the postpartum depression patients. And there's such a huge need in our community for patients that I was trying to refer out that I thought that maybe I would merge these two together a little bit sooner. But when I found out about this opportunity with pediatric and adolescent psychiatric mental health care, I jumped on that bandwagon. And uh, now I'm thinking about putting them back together again. So I've been a psych NP for one year, and I've been a women's health nurse practitioner for about 14. Okay. All right. Yeah, it looks like you've been doing quite a bit of stuff. So what's your favorite? Do you like doing women's health or psych better? Uh, I mean, my original love and passion was always women's health. And I miss that. But I've got this newfound love for, for psych. So I'm not sure I can decide. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you could like both, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you're working at this outpatient clinic doing some pediatric adolescent uh, psych. So how is that? Do you enjoy it? Is it just kind of a job? What are your thoughts on that? Um, it is a newer program that's just getting off of the ground. Um, I don't think that many of the physicians or psychiatrists that we work with have worked with nurse practitioners very often. And I feel like I'm not working up to the scope of my practice and that I could do more. 
And I think that's one of the things that's really driving me to start my own practice is that I want to do more. I feel like I'm not making as big of a difference as I would like. I got you. So you're feeling kind of restricted. I really, really am feeling very restricted. <laughs> yeah, I think you and uh, probably 80% of all other nurse practitioners are too. So <laughs> especially on the East Coast and restricted states for sure. Yeah. You know, even in independent states, you feel restricted. You're still bound to what your employer tells you, what, you know, tells you what you can do and what insurance tells you what, you know, what you can do. So kind of just part of the game. But anyways, though, okay, so you want to start your own practice. So where are you at in this regard? So I have started the formation of LLC. I have gotten my estimate for my malpractice insurance um, through CMNF. I have some demos scheduled for some EMRs. I've got a consult scheduled with your web guy. So okay. I've got some appointments um, starting to maybe look just for prices of spacing in the area. Um, and I actually just found my first one like right before we hopped on this call today. So I messaged that guy and we're going to talk later on this evening about the space that he has available. So I'm just starting to research um, brick and mortar space. Okay, gotcha. So you're really just in the infant stage here. You really haven't done much. Correct. I mean, it's a lot you've done. It's just you haven't really like, you're not even close to being able to see patients quite yet. So yeah, so you got your LLC, you're gonna get your website built uh, here in the next month or so, sounds like. Now your location sounds like this is probably gonna be pretty important. So where are you wanting to get this thing uh, up and running? I mean, you don't have to give me a specific location, but kind of just give me a little bit of uh, some background. So I'm right on the border of two states. So I'm actually going, um, I'm licensed in um, the state of Virginia. And so I would um, like to start seeing patients telepsych initially and probably do cash pay until I am licensed in the other state, in which I currently reside. And then once I'm licensed in that state, I think I would work on getting some credentialing to get um, insurance acceptance, you know, to accept insurance. For right now, again, tell us like, but then once license comes through for the other state, I would like to go ahead and start to see patients in person and do more of a hybrid model. I got you. So it's going to be telemed in person and you're going to be accepting insurance. Yes. Initially cash though. I've got all of my applications in for the new state for um, RN and nurse practitioner licensure. And then for Virginia, I was always in a group practice for women's health. So I had never applied for autonomous practice. So I did go ahead and do that. That I'll be able to do autonomously. I've got enough experience, but for psych, I'm still going to need a collaborator, which is also something that I'm working on. I've got an appointment scheduled with Guardian. Okay, perfect. So the insurance credentialing process is going to take three to six months. So that's going to be one of the things that will prevent you from really getting this thing off the ground quick. If you're going to accept insurance, that's going to be your predominant you know, form of pay. So cash pay psych practices, from what I hear from other psych NPs, they can work. But once you start accepting the insurance, that's probably when it really starts picking up from a psych standpoint. Just FYI. Took it into consideration on how long that's going to take. I have taken into consideration how long that's going to take only because I know that I need to give at least a 90-day notice at my current position. So if it takes a while to grow, I'm willing to put in the extra work on the side um, to really build something strong before I step away from that. So I know that it's going to be a slow build initially with just the cash pay. I'm yeah. hoping that it'll be slow to medium, just given the fact that there's such a huge need in the area. Patients are waiting such a long time for medication prescribers. And I've already started to market with some therapists that I've got relationships with to be able to send me some patients who are willing to start off cash pay because they're in such dire need of services. I got you. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's smart. Honestly, I feel like that most people should start slow because there's gonna be a lot of kinks you got to work out. You got to figure out your flow, your processes, you know, there's a lot of things that go into a business that, you know, you can't necessarily prepare for before you start. You kind of just have to experience it, and figure it out, you know, while you're actually 
doing it. So I think that's pretty smart, actually. I think that's uh, a good idea. Start cash at first. It'll be a little bit slow. And then once you kind of figure out your processes and all this kind of stuff, then, uh, you know, once you're fully credentialed with insurance, you can really, you can really put your foot down on the gas if you wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. at that point, it's probably when you'll want to cut back at your job or quit your other job more than likely. But with the cash pay psych, do you have any idea? Have you talked to any people? Like, do you think that it's viable? I do, um, especially speaking to some of the therapists that I've been meeting with in regards to the idea. They really feel like the need is there, that they've got plenty of clientele who's willing to pay out of pocket cash pay okay. pricing. Okay, well, perfect. You know, you might find yourself like these three or four months from now, like making really good money as a cash practice. And you might just say, hell with the insurance. That's happened before to some people. Yeah, it happened to me at first. Like, I just felt like that I had to take insurance. Like, I, I, I hated insurance. Hated it, okay? My first practice was insurance. I hated it. Closed it down. It just didn't really work out that great. Second practice was just medical cannabis, cash only. Men's health practice was my, you know, my next practice. Started cash only. Was convinced by someone like, you know, hey, maybe you should accept a little insurance. And I remember I hated it. Okay, fine. We'll go ahead and we'll start, we'll start the credentialing process. Maybe we can start taking some insurance and go down that route. And, you know, four, four to six months into my business, I was like, you know what? Screw the insurance. Like I called the credential. I was like, just cancel all the applications. I don't want to fool with it. I don't need to. So that might happen with you. It's a definitely a possibility. I mean, I know other MPs that, that that's happened to. It'll make your life amazingly easier. So yeah, consider that, especially if you want to integrate women's health into it too. Like you want to do some HRT and those kinds of things. I've thought about that because there are, um, not in my immediate area where I live, but in some of the bigger cities around us, there are a few places that offer those types of services, cash pay. They're doing really well. So I thought after integrating that, and then a lot of patients coming into psychiatry practices are asking for cannabis assistance in the office to get them their medical marijuana cards. Um, yeah. Adding that in too would be something that would bolster that cash pay practice. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Virginia has medical cannabis, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's great side money. It's super easy. It's practically zero liability. There's nothing to it. So yeah, 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 for sure. And then the women's HRT as well, you know, those women's health services, you know, you said that's kind of your passion as well. So mm-hmm. that's typically a cash-based game also. I guess what's your goal here though? Like, do you want to have a very large, robust practice where you're seeing lots of patients, insurance patients, you know, the full economic gamut? Like, what's your goal? So my goal is your whole thing of freedom, I guess. I don't want to be sure. working four or five hours, which is my full-time job now. I want to be able to, you know, spend time with my kiddos while they're young. One's young, one's old, and schooled to be a PA who wants to do psych. So hopefully he'll join me one day in, in some of these endeavors. But I just don't want to be working 45 hours a week working my butt off. I think that I can see in the future some some of your passive income ideas coming into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, with an insurance practice, I mean, you know, you said there's a real need in the area, like you can be as busy as you want to be. So as a business owner, and especially a business owner that operates a lean business, I mean, a psych practice is generally a pretty lean practice to start because you don't need that much. You know what I mean? You don't need that much in supplies and stuff. Like you just need a desk and a prescription pad and like a computer and an EMR. Like you don't need that much. You know what I mean? So it's a very lean business. So you might find yourself making a very nice income, maybe be able to work 30 hours a week or something like that. It's definitely possible. You know, or maybe even less, depending on what kind of cash-based structure that you develop. But if you want more of a passive income at some, po- at some point, more of like a partially passive income rather, then 
I'm going to need you're, that insurance. You're, <laughs> you're probably going to need the insurance and you're going to need another NP. Correct. Like you're going to need to build up that kind of practice. So your goal in the future, you know, three to five years from now would be to have more of a partially passive income stream, have other people work for you. Then um, I'd say go the insurance route. And then you could eventually maybe hire another NP to work for you. And, you know, who knows, it gets busier, busier, busier. Maybe you'll have three or four MPs working for you. And, you know, you're the business owner and you're just making a killing and you don't even have to work that hard anymore. So definitely a possibility. So, and I guess you have some of those cash pay services in addition to my yes, you, Absolutely. For sure. You know, I mean, absolutely. So you can definitely offer cash-based services in a practice where you accept insurance. The trick is, is that it has to be something that, you know, what you're offering is not a covered service, right? So if it's not covered, then you can charge cash for it. Now, if it's covered or is, you know, arguable if it can be covered or not, the way around it is, is that your entity, the LLC that you have, that's credentialed, okay? You're credentialed underneath the LLC. Now, if you have another LLC out of the same building for your women's health, HRT services, or cash-based concierge psych, you can function underneath that LLC that's not credentialed and charge cash. Does that make sense? It does, which was actually one of my questions I, I was thinking of asking you is whether or not you thought that I should have two separate LLCs, like one for each um, specialty area. And it sounds like that's a yes. I would say so because, you know, some patients, I mean, I'll tell you, cash is king. You're going to want to accept as many cash paying patients as you can because it's, it's easier. The cash is in your hand. It's, you know, a credit card transaction. It gets instantly almost deposited to your bank account. Like it's easy. You don't have to worry about audits and things like that. So try to accept as much cash as you can. That's, I mean, that's what I would recommend. As so. far as MR for like those types of things, if I'm accepting cash pay and then I'm accepting insurance and maybe I have a patient who's taking part in both services, should I have two separate EMRs for those or should I still no. have? No, nah, I would have the same EMR. Keep it simple, you know, unless you need it for more or less organizational purposes for, you know, for you. You know, this EMR is for our cash-based stuff. This EMR is for our insurance-based stuff. Like you could definitely separate it if you feel like it'd make your life easier. Uh, keeping things separated from an organizational standpoint. But if you're pretty good at being able to you know, organize things in your mind or make notes and that kind of a thing in the EMR, you can just use the same EMR to save yourself some money. So do you have a preference of EMR for multi-specialty practices? I mean, there's so many EMRs anymore, you know? My advice with an EMR, I'm going to be definitely honest with you, is that you have to demo a few and figure out which one works for you. You know what I mean? Based off of your previous experiences, what kind of EMRs you like, what kind of workflows you like. Like you really have to demo a few to see what you like. If you're a cash only clinic, you don't need an EMR that has a bunch of insurance billing, you know, stuff integrated into it, right? Like you don't really need those functions. If you're going to accept insurance though, you want those functions as streamlined as possible, right? So, um, you know, for a practice like you, uh, that, that you want to start like a psych practice and maybe integrate some other things into it, uh, something called Luminello probably would be a good one for you. Okay. I was thinking that was mainly psychiatry based. So I guess not. That could incorporate other specialties. No, absolutely. For sure. I mean, you can make any kind of template you want in any EMR. I mean, I use, I use simple practice at my men's health clinic and it's a mental health, like therapy based EMR. Like it's not even, it's not very good for medication management stuff, but it's like, it's such a simple EMR. All I need is the ability to type a note out. 
and to type out some like, you know, and, and schedule patients and stuff. I just need the simplest EMR in the world because men's health is simple and we're cash-based only. So like I'm using a mental health EMR for my men's health clinic. It works for us. So I do have a demo scheduled with Luminello, so that's good. And then um, Charm and Optimantra were the other two that I had demo scheduled. Okay. With. Yeah, you know, either one of those are probably going to work. Uh, Charm is a little bit more of a more of a cookie cutter kind of one, I think, more of a traditional one. So um, Optimantra is going to be better probably for the more niche services, but it can work as well. So like I said, demo them and just go with what feels right to you. Like, Which one do you feel like is going to be the most efficient option? Because that's really the most important thing here. What's going to make your life more efficient? And it's going to be easy for you to learn. Okay. I feel like I kind of flip-flopped um, going back to the EMR, but we were talking about like what I wanted and I wanted work-life balance. Um, and so my question there was like, I went through all of your old podcasts to see if you had anything in there about partnerships. And I never saw anything about whether a partner is a pro or a con. And I feel like a partner could potentially help with that work-life balance and covering me when I'm not there. But I also feel like I want control and I don't want to share that control with a partner. And so I'm on the fence about that. Do you have very strong thoughts either way? Well, uh, I believe we have talked about it a few times in a couple of podcasts. I don't know exactly what numbers, but okay. I've wrote an article about it. So if you go to the Elite MP website and click all articles and then search partnership, uh, there's an article where I kind of go over a few points that you need to consider about them. So I would definitely read that. Okay. But I'm just going to give you my, you know, just brief summary here. I don't like partnerships. They don't work very often. You have two heads going into it that want to do different things. For a small business, like a medical practice, it's generally not needed. Now, for a very large scale, million dollar business, that kind of a thing, where each partner brings in a specific valuable skill, that's a different story. I'm talking about medical practice partnerships here, all right? So they typically don't work out very well because you have two chiefs that want to do different things. When money gets involved, shady stuff can happen nitpicking, bitching, complaining, like just a lot of bad things can happen. And when partnerships fail, the business then really suffers and legal stuff can happen. Like it can really make your life a real headache. So the partnership that you're considering, the biggest question here you need to ask yourself is what's the value that they are bringing you? And the other question is, do I really need them? So answer those two questions. Yeah, I think I'm solo. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it necessary? Like, do you really need them? A lot of people want to go into a partnership because it makes them feel safer. Like, I'm going to go into this business. I have a partner now. We're spreading the risk a little bit. You know, I feel safer. And it's really a false safety net. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even real. Like, because this is pretty safe anyways. And once you get into it, you're going to look at your partner and be like, this is bullshit. Why do I need this person? Like, why am I splitting my profit with this person? I could do this myself. And then that's when the problems start arising. All right. I hope everyone's enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to take a quick break to thank everyone listening and also give a big thank you to all of my social media followers and email subscribers. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our email list at www.elitenp.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Email subscribers will receive updates on new weekly podcast episodes, multiple weekly articles we publish, new courses, and everything else related to helping you succeed. 
Remember, all elite nurse practitioner courses are designed to help you build an itch practice, increase your financial strength, and to break free from the rat race. If I can break free and that other countless nurse practitioners can break free, then so can you. Additionally, please share this podcast with your other nurse practitioners, sisters, and brothers out there. The more NPs that venture out on their own, the stronger our profession will become. Now, let's get back to the episode. I kept thinking that I wanted that person at home answering my calls while I was, you know, like in Mexico on vacation or something. Well, you could hire someone (laughs) for that. (laughs) That is true. And it's probably going to be a heck of a lot less money. A heck of a lot less money. You maintain the 100% equity of your business. Don't split equity with people unless you have to. Right. Well, that one's solved. Yeah. Yeah. That's my recommendation on that. Some partnerships work, but very rarely do they ever. Yes. As we're talking, I think I probably answered my question about where I want to set up shop too, because in Virginia, like over the border from where I'm at, it's such a busier, more robust area that I think that that would be my first population to capture. Because where I'm at now, even though there's not a lot of psychiatric services, they're so small. If, If I'm right over the border, they can come just right over the border too. And then if later on when I continue to grow, maybe I could set up a small little satellite practice here in the more rural area. Um, thoughts sure. on that? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, why not? You know, like I've said before in other podcasts, there are absolute gold mines in those more rural, smaller towns. They're gold mines because no one else is there. So, like, it's a great idea. Okay. So, should yeah. I capture the first then? Since, like, there's literally nobody else here. There's one counseling practice. And so I did reach out to them just to say, hey, do you have a room? Because I thought that would be like automatic referrals. Like, yeah. you've got nobody to subscribe here. Right. You know, do you have a small space and refer me all your patients and I'll give you some rent for this small space? Um, I've also reached out to a women's health practice here. There's only one to see if they've got some extra space and they're looking into that to see if they could sublease. So now I'm contradicting myself, but I guess if I could find something small like that where automatic referrals are coming in, then that could be a good first step. I guess I'll have to see what pops up. It could be. You need to do a little market research here though. Like now the thing is about some of these small towns, especially for like psych services, that a lot of people might not have the cash to pay you. So you would have to have the insurance option. Okay. Now, if you were offering more of a niche service that is high value, and I'm not saying psych isn't high value, it definitely is to the people that need it. But a lot of those people that need it don't really have a disposable income, right? So a high value service like HRT or weight loss, something like that, you know, it's not necessarily a medical necessity, but people find value out of it. They feel better and they're willing to pay cash for it. So you got to do a little bit of market research and make sure there's a market for it if you're going to go the cash route. But if you're going to end up accepting insurance anyways, then it's going to be a mute point. It doesn't really matter. So my recommendation for you is since you're going to be cash for three to six months, because that's how long credentials is going to take, I would start in maybe the more affluent area first where there's already a market for the cash-based stuff. And then once you get credentialed, then maybe start reaching out to the other places. And you know that way you can accept insurance and start expanding. Okay. That's some homework to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, just this little market research, you know, it's really not that hard of a thing to do. I mean, you know, Wikipedia is a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've got a pretty good idea here. It sounds like you got a good plan. Uh, it sounds like you know what you're doing. It sounds like you're very, very competent. You got, uh, I'm assuming you have a little bit of money to put into this too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got the finances, you got the competency, you got a good plan. So I think it's just at this point, it's just taking the action and just getting started. 
you know, it sounds like you're pretty anxious to get started. Like you sound like you really want to, you want to get this going. Yeah. Once I started looking, it was just, it's been snowballing ever since. And I've been like, set up this and look at this. And, um, yeah. but not knowing, like, if I wish I had a crystal ball, like, is it going to be small or is it going to be like really big full scale? Because I feel like that affects the decisions that I'm making now. Like if I knew I wanted to grow something huge, I'd make different decisions. So I've definitely been stuck in the whole analysis paralysis thing. Yeah. Um, then I listen to your podcast of like, don't let anything keep from starting. Just start. Yeah. yeah. Just get started. You're never going to have a hundred percent perfect plan. It's just, it's not going to happen. You can't go into a boxing ring in a fight with a plan. You're going to get punched in the face. Like, and you don't know when that's going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just get started. Just get in that ring. Just get going. Some of the decisions that you make now will affect some things in the future. Absolutely. But as long as you're not doing anything at, you know, just crazy, insane, like taking on hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, and doing dumb shit like that. I mean, you should be okay. So even if you're going to grow this big in one to two years, you'll just cross that bridge. Like just do like, get started, take care of what's in front of you now. And then as you begin to grow, then you start having good problems and you just pivot. Okay, so I guess what, what's what's one of your anxieties there? It sounds like that was a pretty big point there uh, in terms of doing something wrong now for your growth later. You know, and, and I've been thinking about that. I'm like, so what if I choose the wrong EMR? Like, we can change. Oh. It's not the end of the world. Or so right. what if I don't like my office space? Then we upgrade office space. So when I really sit down and think about it, I don't think there's any big decision that's going to be a, a deal breaker for, you know, what the future is going to bring. I think my biggest anxiety, though, is just knowing when to walk away from that full-time job. Um, so I guess as I start to slowly build up, I'm really going to just be banking all of this. So that way, when I finally step away from the full-time job, I've got something to fall back on if if something weren't to succeed. But I don't want to think like that either. I just want to go in with positivity. But do you have recommendations for nurse practitioners on on when to make that big jump? Yeah, yeah, for sure. One point first before we jump into that, though, is that what EMR you use, what office space you're going to have. These are $100 questions, not $10,000 questions. So you need to be asking yourself the $10,000 questions. How are you going to grow your business to get it to where it's a million dollars a year? The big questions. You as the business owner, those are the questions you need to be asking yourself. You'll realize what those questions are as you kind of start going through the process. Like, you know what EMR you have doesn't really matter. Does that generate revenue for you? No, it doesn't. It doesn't really make a difference. So read that article on the main website if you haven't. There's also an article on the main website. So if you just go like, click on all articles on the main site. And just type in hundred, and it's like the first thing because of hundred dollar questions versus ten thousand dollar questions. And there's also another article about when to leave your job as a nurse practitioner. Because so just type in like leave into the search bar, and the article will pop up. But I'll give you a little quick synopsis about it though. And there's a couple factors. I think one of the biggest factors is your personal finances. Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have enough money in the bank to cover your expenses for at least six months? At least, preferably twelve. Yes or no? No, not at this time. Not at this time. Make that a priority as you're wrapping up your job. Save as much as you possibly can. Okay. Have a buffer to cover your personal expenses, not business expenses, personal expenses. Try to have a six month buffer there. All right. And I'm talking about bare minimum expenses. All right. Not vacation money, things like that. I'm talking about rent, food, electricity, mortgage, car payments, like the stuff that you need to live. Okay. Yep. Six months in the bank. Once you have that, all right, you have a great buffer to reduce your anxiety and reduce your stress. And then at that point, when your business is generating approximately 50 to 75% of the salary that you had from your job, it's a good time to start considering leaving if your expenses are in check. You live paycheck to paycheck though, and you need every single dollar from your previous job, 
that percentage goes up that you need for your business, right? That's why it's really, really important to keep your expenses in check during the first year or two of the entrepreneurial journey. So that's why it's part of the elite MP model, low expenses in your life, super important, okay? So keep that in mind, right? When it's about 50, 75% business income is replacing your other salary, okay, probably time to really consider it. Then another thing that you need to consider too is how much is your job preventing you from growing your business? So, you know, you're putting time into your full-time job, your part-time job or whatever. Is that time stealing away the time that you need from your business to grow it? Usually that starts happening when you're booking out patients two to four weeks in advance because now you're losing money because those people are going to go elsewhere. You know, when people get booked out two to four weeks in advance, two months in advance, a lot of times they're no-shows. They don't show back up because they're impulsive. They want to be seen in, you know, as quickly as possible. So those are some ways to kind of quantify when it's time to, to leave. Does that make sense? Is that, is that helpful? Yeah, for sure. Awesome tips. And you're speaking like, you're speaking some Dave Ramsey language to me with the <laughs> three to six months in the bank. <laughs> we moved into a new house. So like got debt free. And then we were actually on that little step of the three to six months in the bank. So I figured this side gig would actually help with that initially. So yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And the thing that's important too is, is that you also don't want that you know, six-month emergency fund in your personal life. You also want to make sure you have three months of expenses in the bank for your business too. Honestly, you don't need more than three months in the bank for a business. Okay? That's it. That's all you need. So three months of expenses in the bank. I always have three months of expenses in the bank for my businesses, all of them, and then six months personal. So if you have those two numbers, you are in a really, really good place. Make that a goal. Yeah. All great tips. I've got some goals. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 So... I think we hit up on all the things that you wanted to talk about. Is there any uh, any other questions? No, I think we hit upon all of them too. I'm ready to I'm ready to just get going. Yeah, now yeah. I, I, like I said, I think you your your head's in a really nice place right now. You got the motivation, you got some time, you got a plan, you got some ideas. Like ride this momentum, ride it, get it done. I have an excellent cheerleader in my corner. My husband is is my my biggest supporter. So. Well, good. It's always good to have someone to support you for sure. That's super awesome. Yeah. Well, I liked in the episode with you asking me a question. Do you have any uh, personal questions or anything you've ever been curious about that you'd like to ask me? I mean, I'm a fairly new follower, so I'm probably going to ask stuff that's been asked of you before. I've taken okay. courses, but what's next for you? Like, where do you see your future going? What's your next big goal? I guess huh, it's just so, I mean, it's just so many, right? I mean, I have a newborn, you know, let's see, we recorded this end of January, so he's only two months old. By the time this podcast is released, he'll probably be five, six months old. But, you know, I think one of my biggest goals is just to be a good dad. You know, like I want to be present. So I'm doing everything I possibly can now to be able to facilitate that over the next couple of years, you know. So like I'm really trying to invest my money as hard as I can into things that produce passive income for me. I'm doing things, you know, systemizing processes in my businesses. So I'm not, I don't have to be so present in my business. You know what I mean? I have other people working for me, doing things for me, automating stuff. So that way that my businesses run themselves, so that way I can be present for my son and potentially, you know, another kid in the next year or two. So I can just be, I want to be a present father. You know, I want to be there. Like I don't want my head somewhere else. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the best goal that was actually set on this entire podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> being a present mom. Like yeah. 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 I think people just in general aren't present enough in the moment. And and I think that's a a goal everyone should strive for. I think it's really, really important. So, so no, thanks for asking me that. That was kind of a, yeah, that was a fun question. So. Well, good luck to you in that goal. I think you'll, you'll be amazing. 
<laughs> well, thanks. Well, hey, listen, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to give you another compliment again. I, I, your head's in a good space. I, I don't see how this is going to fail. I really don't. I think you're set up for success. I really think you got a great idea. You got a good market. Just get started. Keep me up to date. Thank you so very much. I appreciate your time. All right. You're welcome. Have a good night. You too. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation with Michelle. She's got a great plan. She's motivated. Like she's ready to take action. Like she's doing everything she needs to be doing to start a business. All right. So if you are on the fence about starting your own practice, like listen to this again, listen to what she's doing. All right. She is in the right mindset. She's motivated. She's taking action. She's just knocking steps out. She's knocking things out. And then by the time she gets started, I mean, she's not going to be ready. No one's ever ready to start a business. No one's ever ready to get going. You're never 100% ready, but she'll be ready enough to start seeing patients, start generating some money. And then she'll start dealing with the problems as they come. So try to be motivated here. A uh, psych hybrid practice, accepting cash, accepting insurance, also providing some women's health services, some medical cannabis, you know, I think it's a great model. A lot of it complements each other. And she's going to have two sides of the story here, basically. She's going to be able to take cash. She's going to be able to take insurance. She has the best of both worlds. I'm curious to see what happens with her. I'm curious to see if three to six months from now, you know, with her accepting cash at first, if that takes off enough to justify staying cash. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. You plan on accepting insurance, but you take cash at first and you're just starting to make enough money with the cash that you say hell with the insurance. So I hope that happens with her, but who knows? I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Quick legal disclaimer, the content of this podcast is meant for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used as legal, financial, medical, regulatory, or practice-specific advice. For information pertaining to your specific legal, financial, medical, or practice-specific needs, please be sure to consult with your lawyer, CPA, medical director, and or your state's practice laws and the most up-to-date clinical guidelines. As always, do your due diligence when it comes to any information found online and in podcasts. The content in this podcast is copyrighted by Galaxy Medical Southwest 2023 and cannot be duplicated, rebroadcasted, or reproduced with out our written permission.